Today, I spoke to a mom whose child refused to take medications that were necessary for the child's health. The child had a seizure disorder and really needed her seizure medications. Without these medications, she would go into these prolonged episodes of having one seizure after another after another. Prolonged seizures have the ability to damage multiple body parts, including the muscles, the lungs, and the heart. Prolonged seizures are not something that any parent wants for her child. It is especially hard when the medication that is available to treat seizures is effective for the child, which it isn't always, but the child refuses to take the medicine. Then what? What does the caregiver do? If you know someone whose young child refuses to take medication, what has uh, been your experience? If you have successfully gone through that experience, what would have been helpful for you to know at the time that you were going through it? If your young child is currently refusing to take a particular medicine, what would be helpful for you to know right now? Hi, I'm Dr. Epka. I'm a physician and a mom to a young child who fed reluctantly. I remember feeling so scared and so alone. It was hard for me to find the answers and the solutions as to why my child had significant feeding difficulties. It was hard to improve the feeding. Fast forward past many doctor's visits, lots of reading, multiple certifications on various aspects of feeding, and many feeding therapy sessions with me as the mom. You will see a mom and a child who have come a long way in the feeding department, but I feel so much less scary. I have so much more powerful knowledge regarding early childhood feeding. Feeding has become easier and I have more of my life back. I created this Feeding Made Easy podcast as I want you to have actionable, simple, step-by-step strategies so that you don't have to feel as scared or as alone as I once did. If you have some questions about nutrition and picky eating, if you have a young child with lots of symptoms but no good solutions regarding why feeding seems so much more difficult than you would expect, if you have a diagnosis but do not know where to get good, actionable, step-by-step information, you're in the right place. Let's get learning. Just remember that this material is for educational purposes only. I'm not your doctor. If your child has specific medical concerns, please see your doctor or other members of your healthcare team. Today's episode is sponsored by the Feeding Made Easy podcast. I know, I know. Why would the podcast sponsor itself? Part of it is that I really want to use the platform to raise awareness about feeding difficulties in young children. Each of our stories with having a young child with feeding difficulties is unique, but they all have many similarities. One of the similarities is that many of us probably felt like the public just didn't know what this was like. I remember how hard the feeding felt for me and how many people just didn't understand. Many people just do not know the extent that caregivers have to go through to feed some of their young children who really struggle with feeding. I want listeners to know what the struggle is like, and I want you to share your story. Thus, if you want to contribute, please reach out to me via the Dr. Evka website under the Work With Me section. I'd love to hear from you, even if you want to stay anonymous, as no one needs to know who you are on the show. I would still love to hear from you. Let's spread awareness together. Anyway, let us say that you have found yourself in a similar situation than the one that was just described. Although, by and large, pharmaceutical companies try to create pleasant-tasting versions of medications and to make them easy for babies and toddlers to digest, this is not always the case. Some medicine just is not made in that particular digestible way. There is no fail-proof way 
to completely hide the medication's taste, texture, smell, and so on, as long as you're taking the medicine orally. What is a caregiver or a parent to do when the medicine must be taken, but the child refuses to take it? What happens if that medicine is crucial and that helps decrease the frequency of life-altering seizures? Whether the seizure medicine actually works to decrease the frequency of seizures in a particular child, but the child refuses to take it? What if it's another type of very important medicine. For instance, a child has a sore throat. The child goes to the doctor's office and is found to have strep throat. The doctor needs to prescribe antibiotics for strep throat, not because those antibiotics will stop the sore throat, but because untreated strep throat can lead to complications in the heart and in the kidneys. Cases of group A beta hemolytic strep really do need antibiotics. But what if the child refuses to take them? You, as the caregiver, might understand exactly why your child needs to take the medication, but you can't just get your child to take it. We are going to discuss this next. What if a child refuses to take medicine that is super important to take? As the caregiver, you're doing the best you can. You're trying your best, and it is super hard to get anyone to do anything that they do not want to. This is also the case with that young child. This child has free will. You're caught in a very tough situation. You can't force your child to do anything. Well, actually, you could force your child, but then you have to worry about some of the psychological impacts to the child. So you could force them, but is there another way? I guess that you could force your child, but there could be an easier way. You still need to figure out how to get your child to take the medicine. A young child doesn't have the abstract reasoning skills that you probably do and can't understand the need for the medicine in the same way that you can. The child experiences the world through their senses. What do I mean that by that? Is it really part of that sensory experience that contributes to a child refusing to take a particular medication? Well, there are multiple reasons why a child may refuse to take a particular medicine. Some common reasons have to do with the senses. The taste, smell, texture, and sight of a medicine can contribute to refusing to take it, but so can a child's oral motor skills at their level of anxiety. Let's discuss some of these common reasons for why a young child may refuse to take a particular medicine. By understanding some of the common reasons, perhaps we can get better understand what to do about them. I'm going to give you three reasons why a young child may refuse to take medicine. I'm sure that there are other reasons, but I'm going to just give you these three. The first reason is oromoral skill development. The second reason is the sensory experience that the child has with that medicine, whether it be to the taste, smell, texture, or sight of the medicine. The third reason is the newness of taking that medicine and the change that comes with it. I will discuss what each of these three reasons mean. I'm sure that there are other reasons, but I'm going to just give you these three. We're going to go through each of these reasons. Once you're finished with that, I'll give you some suggestions on how you might be able to get your child to take a medicine a little bit more easily. Okay, so reason one has to do with oral motor skills. Let's talk about it from an oral motor skill standpoint. For many of us adults, Swallowing medication might not seem that hard. You can move your mouth, use saliva to form a bolus around a capsule or tablet, and then swallow. Not that hard for most of us, right? It's just something that we have learned to do, but doing these actions with our mouths was harder for us when we were little. Well, we now take these learned skills for granted as they have become so automatic. For a young child, these put a tablet or a capsule in your mouth and swallow activities may be hard. 
A baby is born with only some oral motor skills, and the other oral motor skills take a while to develop. You're, you're just not going to expect your three-month-old to, to chew a piece of steak effectively. It's just not going to happen. There are stages and ages for learning different movements within the mouth, with the tongue, and so on. These movements serve to propel food forwards in the digestive tract while preventing food from going into the lower airways. In fact, according to a few studies that I read, the average age at which a child is able to achieve enough mouth coordination to swallow tablets or capsules is around the age of six years. Between the ages of birth and the six years, many children just don't have the full ability to swallow a small capsule or a small tablet. Even then, at age six, we're talking about small tablets. There are some guidelines that tablets should be no longer than about half a centimeter for children under the age of six. However, not all tablets are manufactured to be that small, and taking them could present challenges to that young child. Luckily, most of the pharmaceutical companies are keenly aware that they can't offer half-inch tablets to three-year-olds and come up with liquid forms of medications, but this is not always the case. What can we do about it? I'll discuss that later in this week's episode. Number two, the second reason why a child may not want to take a medicine is because of the sensory experience associated with it. The way that the medicine feels, tastes, smells, or looks may be unpleasant in some way to the child. Let me give you some examples. Most children are programmed since birth to like salty and sweet foods, but bitter tastes take a long time to get used to. Unless a baby is a few months old, and is continuously exposed to a particular bitter taste, he might not particularly like it. There was a window of time during which if a child continuously is exposed to bitter tastes, he learns to tolerate them. However, unless this exposure to bitter has frequently occurred at a young age, and we're talking about a few months old, the somewhat older child who tastes something bitter might find the experience to be uncomfortable. At this point, you might ask yourself, what's the big deal with bitter? Do medicines need to be bitter anyway? Unfortunately, yes, some medicines happen to taste bitter, and there's no getting around that. There are some medicines whose active ingredient, the ingredient that absolutely has to be in the medicine, has a strong bitter flavor. Examples of these include prednisone. This is a steroid used for cases of asthma. Another example of a bitter-tasting medicine is the antibiotic clindamycin. There are others. These medicines can leave an unpleasant, bitter taste in the mouth. As a caregiver, you might be asking, well, isn't there something that I can put in the medicine to remove some of the bitter taste? Of course, you could mix some medicine with a flavor like vanilla, banana, or white grape juice. You could ask a pharmacist to add a special flavoring to the medicine to help mask it. However, even if you add a different flavor to the medication, that doesn't mean that the taste of bitterness will go away. You may be left with two different flavors. One flavor doesn't necessarily mask the other completely. Think of it as if you're eating salt and vinegar potato chips. The saltiness of the potato chips is not going to mask the vinegar taste. The vinegar taste is quite distinct. You can put tons and tons of extra salt on those potato chips, but that vinegar taste is uh, going to stay. It's the same thing with adding these flavorings. The bitterness is, is still going to be there in a lot of cases. The bitter taste is not going to be completely gone just because there's another flavoring that's been added. At least it won't be for a lot of people. Everyone's taste buds are different. Okay, 
One more example when it comes to your sensory perception of certain medications. Remember how we had talked about the mom of a young child who refused to take seizure medication? The doctor prescribed the seizure medication in sprinkle form, but the sprinkles of medicine taste a little bit like sand to the child. Sand is not something that many of us would naturally eat. If I had a sandy texture in my mouth that reminded me a lot of sand, my natural reaction might be to spit out the sand. It would be to take out the sand and not to eat it. It would take a whole lot of tries for me to get used to eating something that reminded me of sand because I am so conditioned to remove sand out of my mouth and not to eat it. That sand just seems weird on the mouth. It seems weird to swallow. If I am asked to take a medicine that reminds me of eating sand, I'd have a hard time with that. Number three. Okay, so far we have two reasons for why a child might not want the medication. The first reason is because of oral motor skills. The second reason is because of the look, taste, smell, or texture of a medicine. The third and final reason why some children may refuse medicine is anxiety or fear around taking the medicine. Not everyone is completely brave and willing to try anything that's out there. Some people get more anxious, especially when asked to do things that aren't new. The child may be used to a specific routine, then all of a sudden that routine changes. The child has to take the medicine. Perhaps the child will even be okay with taking the medicine the first few times or can be tricked into taking the medicine the first few times. Then eventually something clicks for the child. The child thinks, not only is taking this particular medicine a new activity in my life, but now it seems like that activity is here to stay. It's not going to go away. There's a new change to my routine. Oh gosh, oh gosh, oh gosh, what do I do? The parent understands the importance of taking uh, medicine, but the child does not have the abstract reasoning to be able to figure it out. For them, this is something new, and the child may develop some level of fear. Of course, there are other reasons for anxiety around taking a particular medication, and a child may refuse to take the medicine from the beginning, not just after a specific period of time. Let's go back to the story of the mom who's trying to get her young child to take seizure medicine. In this case, initially, the child took the seizure medicine in the form of sprinkles with applesauce and yogurt. Then she started refusing it. Then they had to hide them food such as cream cheese, but the young child also started refusing that. What changed? It's hard to know why the preschooler went from initial acceptance to refusal. As I speculate, one of my thoughts is that the child may have felt a certain way taking the medication, a certain way that felt uncomfortable. Maybe she was left with an unpleasant feeling in her mouth. Maybe she felt nauseous after taking the medication as one of the side effects of that medication is nausea. It can happen to almost half of the people taking the medicine in this particular case. And the way you can figure that out, what the side effects are, is just look at the side effect profile of the medication in a package that contains information about the medication, which you probably got from the pharmacy, in probably small print. But anyway, you'll be able to read print that gives you the, some of the side effects. And often there's also a list of what percentage of people taking the medicine have a particular side effect. So in the case of the young child, one of the most common side effects was this feeling of nausea. Initially, the child might not have made the connection that the medication was contributing to the nausea. They just felt the nausea and were like, where is this coming from? It just didn't click. 
However, when they click that A, you might be contributing to B, so taking the medicine may be contributing to the nausea. She started refusing some of the medication. Again, this is a possibility, and the child just doesn't have the words to explain it. In that case, it might be helpful to figure out a way to decrease the level of nausea by taking the medicine. There's some medications that can help with that. Um, talk about that more with your doctor. There you have it. Three reasons why a child might want, not want to take a medication. They are oral motor skills, their fear or anxiety around the medication, and the sensory experience with the medication. I am sure that there are other reasons as well, but they're some of the most common ones. However, knowing why a child might not want to take a medicine doesn't necessarily help. It also helps to know the how, like how do you get your child to take the medicine? What can you do to help a child take a medicine that they are just not willing to take or don't seem willing to take? I will give you three ways to help a child take a medicine. More reasons will be given in the freebie for episode four. Please check out that freebie. If you want that freebie, go to the Dr. Evka's website or feedinghandbook.com. Find episode four. Scroll to the end of the blog post about it, and you'll be able to find the freebie right there. I think that this freebie will really be useful for you because I get down to the nitty gritty of what else you can try. I do so in a way that brings a whole different level of information to this episode. So go check out that freebie. Right now, during this episode, I will give you three ways to increase the chances that the child might take the medicine. I cannot promise you that these ways will certainly help your child with taking the medicine each and every time, but I am hopeful that they will be hopeful. If they are not, check out the freebie at the end of episode course post on my Dr. Evka or feedinghandbook.com website. Anyway, let's get started with three ways. Number one, the first way is to meet the child where their oral motor skills happen to be. Make sure that the medication is given to the child in a way that they can actually ingest. How do we do that? One of the easiest ways to do this is to talk to a compounding pharmacy, especially one who specifically helps children. The pharmacists that work at compounding pharmacies can put drugs into forms in which the manufacturer might not, might not necessarily put them. Compounding pharmacies can make specifically flavored liquids, skin creams or gels, suppositories or rectal enemas, or other dosage forms that are specific to what the child is able to ingest. If your child has food allergy to one of the inactive ingredients that would normally go into that medication, compounding pharmacies may be able to further help and perhaps change the inactive ingredients. Remember that most medications show up as a recipe. A tablet or a capsule doesn't just have one thing in it. A medicine solution form doesn't just have one ingredient in it. It has to have some kind of like a liquid, like water. In that medication, you will find the active ingredient, the ingredient that does what the medication is set to do. In that same medication, you will also find inactive ingredients, inactive compounds that help the active ingredient to stay in a specific form or that have some other purpose within the medication. Again, the medicine that you're looking at is a recipe of different ingredients. You can learn more about this through a compounding pharmacist. Just wanted to stress this point. 
talking to a compounding pharmacist can truly be helpful because this is where a lot of caregivers go when they cannot get their child to take a medicine in the way that is made available by the manufacturer. They ask the compounding pharmacist to put in a form the child may be more likely to ingest. The compounding pharmacist might not be able to do this with every medication. What they crave might or might not be more expensive than getting the medicine in the way that it would otherwise be available at a regular pharmacy. However, these pediatric compounding pharmacists, especially the good ones, who really listen to the patient and the caregivers, can be great troubleshooters to help you figure out how to get the medication into your child. At this point, you might ask yourself, how do I find a compounding pharmacy that specializes in children? One option is to call your insurance company and ask to speak to the nurse's line, even customer service, and see what they could suggest. Um, perhaps they have a pharmacy department that you could talk to at your insurance company. Another option is to ask neighbors or friends. I tend to do this by asking other people in our town through the town social media page. I have been known to ask them about things like a local plumber or the best restaurant in town. Another thing that you can ask on these kinds of pages is what's your favorite local compounding pharmacy for children? If that doesn't work, maybe an online search may help. Remember that there are also compounding pharmacies in this country who ship nationally and can help children throughout the country. Number two, now we're on the second way that you can help a child to take medication that they otherwise refuse. Remember how we talked about how the sensory experience that a child has with a medication can contribute to its refusal? You need to find a way to improve the sensory experience that a child has with the medicine. Let's talk about the senses. The senses include the sense of sight, touch, smell, taste, and hearing. The body's sensory organs take in information from the environment and send that information to our brains where it can be used to understand and be made aware of the world around us. Let's talk about each of these senses and some of the ways that they could potentially contribute to refusal to take a specific medicine. We'll talk about them in A, B, C, D, and E format. Let's talk about A. The way that a medication looks can affect whether a child can take it. I remember one toddler who hated the color yellow, just hated the color yellow, just hated all things yellow. No explanation about why the color yellow was not to be liked. No, no idea. However, you can imagine how she reacted to yellow medications. Thankfully, each manufacturer of the same type of medication has a different way of making that medicine look. An internet search under images should be able to give you a sense of what different forms of the same type of medication may look like. Some websites like rxlist.com and webmd.com in its pill identifier section can help you identify medications based upon a specific shape or color. Perhaps this can help steer you to certain looks and away from other certain looks of the medications. You can also ask the pharmacist, hey pharmacist, do you have forms of the medicine from different manufacturers? Can you tell me what each form looks like? B. Now let's discuss the sense of touch. If you recall my example of the young child who refused to take seizure medication in the form of sprinkles, one of the reasons that she didn't take them is because the sprinkles felt like sand in her mouth. She didn't want to eat the sand. 
Luckily, there are other ways to take seizure medication in the form of oral solution, rectal enemas, and so on. However, let's say that the family needed to stick with these sprinkles, whose sand-like textures were not pleasant to the young child. Can you imagine a way to make sand feel pleasant? One option that the mom considered was to make edible sand using a recipe that she found on the internet. This sand did not have any of the medication, it just allowed for sensory exploration. Her child would play with the sand, and eventually over time, some of the sand would wind up in her mouth. And there's recipes online that can show you how to do that, how to create those kinds of foods. The hope was that eventually the sandy texture in the mouth would feel okay, and the child might then be able to take the medication that had the texture of that sand. Let's see. Let's talk about the medication refusal from the perspective of your ears and the hearing the medication. I'm sure there are sounds that medications make that can be not so pleasing. I think about this in terms of hard, crunchy things that I eat, like hard chips that when I eat them, they make a hard crunch in my mouth and I can hear the hard crunch. My mouth makes loud mouth noises when I chew on them and this loud noise may be unpleasant to some. However, there's another way to look at hearing that I also wanted to discuss. And that type of hearing has to do with the external environment. Is there dead silence? Like right before the medicine is given to the child, is there a lot of dead silence? And are the caregivers holding their breaths when giving the medicine to the child and like hopes that the child takes it? Do the caregivers usually hold their breaths? And is there usually silence in the home? If there's not, this Silence may be scary for some. These are children who have other sensory sensitivities that change in noise level can just be further anxiety provoking for them. So it's not going to happen with every child, but just another thing to think about. And then D, do you think that the sense of smell could affect how a medicine is taken? Okay, it's how you smell it. Absolutely. Not every medicine smells very pleasant. I remember an experiment that was done on a number of physicians a couple of years back. They were told to smell a medicine that they often prescribe to patients with diabetes. There are a lot of positive aspects of taking metformin, the medicine that they were asked to smell, but there was something surprising when the doctors smelled the metformin. To some of these doctors, the metformin smelled like dead fish. Yeah, it smelled like dead fish. Not all reformulation of metformin is going to smell like dead fish, but some of them will. And it's not the only medicine that can smell unpleasant. Another such medicine is cyclosporine that can smell like a skunk. Interesting, right? These smells may turn off some patients from taking the medications. But what do you do about these smells? Changing the smell of a medicine may be hard. You want to ask the pharmacy if there's another version of that medicine that isn't going to smell so bad. You may ask the compounding pharmacy to create that for you, or you might want to mask the smell with a different smell that's going to be even more poignant and that may not be as bad smelling. Uh, the smell of lemons, for instance, permeates the room and can make it a little bit more difficult to smell some of the other smells. The other smells will still be there, but the smell of um, lemons is pretty strong. Luckily, when it comes to the smell of medicines, most medicines do not smell as bad as a skunk or a dead fish. It's only an exception uh, to the rule of how um, medicines may smell. And then E, 
Last but not least, we can talk about the taste of the medicine. We had previously discussed how some medicines taste bitter. Even if you add flavoring to these medications, the bitter taste may still be present, although perhaps to a lesser extent. What's another way to mask the bitter taste of some medicine? One way to do this is to squirt small amounts of liquid medicine in a syringe into the back of the mouth. This is not done in a way that the child may choke, so again, you have to kind of aim it so it doesn't go directly into the throat. You want to kind of do it towards the back of the mouth. We're talking about squirting one to two milliliters of the medicine at a time, just a really, really tiny amount of the medicine. And the hope is that by squirting this amount of medicine in there, it goes past some of the taste receptors in the front and the sides of the tongue. Taste receptors are located everywhere throughout the mouth, but they tend to be in higher concentrations on the, on the sides of the tongue and the front of the tongue. The hopes is by giving the medicine in small quantities through a syringe, you can surpass some of these taste receptors. I know, I know. I'm going through only some of the ways that it may be easier for a young child to take a medication. These ways may not help everyone. For other ways, check out my Phoebe at the end of episode four of my Feeding Made Easy podcast on the drfcut.com or the feedinghandbook.com website. You scroll to the bottom of the page, the blog post about this episode, and you find the freebie. If you're already on that web page, that's great. Just scroll to the bottom for the freebie. All right, I wanted to talk to you about the third way to help children take medicine. This has to do with fear or anxiety around taking a new medicine. What is the one of the ways to help the fear or the anxiety to dissipate? I like to think of time. The natural progression for most children is to move forward in their development to try new things that they have not tried before. If we expose a child to the same anxiety-provoking medication over and over again, as time goes on, the hope is that the medicine isn't so anxiety-provoking. They become conditioned to it. They become more used to it. As time goes on, hope is that the child gets used to taking the medicine. You would hope that the path from refusal to acceptance is a straight line, but that isn't always the case. Sometimes the situation gets worse before it gets better. In fact, it may feel a lot worse. Like there's nothing you can do to help the child to take the medicine, and then all of a sudden things improve a lot. Sometimes a child really acts out or really refuses first, yet eventually they turn their corner. Just make sure that it, that acting out is behavioral because there's always a concern that it may be medically induced. For instance, the child may be refusing to take the medicine as the medication makes them feel sick with all kinds of side effects. In that case, the behavior isn't necessarily a direct response to the change in the child's comfort zone, the new medication. It may be a response to feeling sick when taking the medicine. In that case, it's good to try to ask your child what those symptoms may be. Not all medications within a specific category of medications are going to have the same side effects. And perhaps there are things that can be done to improve those side effects. That deserves a conversation with your child's doctor. In any case, I hope that this was helpful for you. I hope that you have learned some of the reasons why a child may refuse medication and some of the, the techniques that can be tried so that medication is more likely to be ingested by the child. Hopefully, this has been helpful for you. As we're going through this, are you starting to ask yourself, so what happened to the young child who refused to take the seizure medicine? Well, I'm hoping that the child's mom eventually comes on the air on the show to tell you about it in a future podcast. We'll see what happens, but I have asked 
her to do so. So she, what she decides to do, she can stay anonymous. You might be asking yourself, what makes this mom so special that I'm asking her to be on my podcast? And what makes her so special that I have actually done a whole podcast post specifically about her question? Do you remember that I'm asking for podcast guests here right now? If you want to be in my podcast or you, you want me to talk about that thing that you really want to learn about, let's see how we can make it work together. I want you to be able to share your stories, even if you don't want anyone to know who you are. I want to spread awareness about these topics surrounding food in young children. You have to remember that this podcast at this point in the fall of 2020 is still young. And so I'm really asking for your input. In the future, I probably will not be able to do a podcast about your questions. But at this point, I can. So keep them coming. All right. Now, go get your free items on my website at Dr. Epcot or at the Feeding Handbook. Also, please tell me if you'd like to be on my podcast or if you'd like me to be on yours. Just let me know in the Work With Me section of the website. If you cannot get to the Work With Me section, just go to my YouTube channel for that episode and put it in the comment section. At this point in the fall of 2020, I am asking for your input. I truly am very interested in it. It probably will change in the future with future episodes, but at this point, I would love to have your input. If you want to subscribe to my weekly podcast and get notifications and when they will come, also let me know. Again, go to my website under the Work With Me section. Thank you for spending another moment with me. Thanks so much for joining me today. I'll see you next week. I'll be here, and I'm looking forward to our next interaction. This is Dr. Evka and the Feeding Made Easy podcast.